Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Amen. Well, good morning, church family. A happy Father's Day to all of our dads in the house. Reflecting today, just praising God, I, personally for my earthly father, the gift that he is and that he, the part he played in uh, leading me to faith in my heavenly father. And then I'd just like to personally thank my heavenly father or publicly for the chance to be a dad and just the joy of having children and the, uh, the high calling that that is. And we'd just like to say to each of our dads here today, uh, may God give you the, the grace and may he bless you with the power to be the dad that he created you to be. It's a calling beyond us, isn't it? It's bigger than us. Um, we can't do it in and of ourselves, but with his strength and with his empowering, we can. And so may, may you receive that today and be encouraged today. And as I was thinking about each week, dad's coming into to worship, one of our goals for all of us, but but thinking about dads and the role that you have as a father, is that you would be equipped with practical help to uh, accomplish what God's called you to accomplish and in the realm of being a dad, you know? And uh, the picture, <clears throat> picture that came to my mind was one of my happy spots as a man is really any, any one of these stores. But uh, walking into Home Depot, Lowe's, Menards, Edwards, the... Uh, even the smell, it's just like a dopamine dump immediately. It's just, ah, and can just cruise up and down those aisles. Our son, Chad, we lived in Pewaukee, Wisconsin at the time, but when he was one of young, we'd go cruising through there, and one of the first songs he learned to sing was, Save Big Money at Menards. And we just bonded over that. But why do we love that as guys? I don't, maybe it's because there's just endless supplies of things that where you can fix and upgrade and, you know, create and build and plant and, kill varmints and, and all that stuff. Make the world a better place. You have endless supplies of that. And I thought about what God has given us in his word. You know, and as we come together, receiving from him, looking to him, our, our passion is that we would help one another become fully devoted followers of Christ. Loving him with all our heart, soul, mind, strength, and loving those around us, walking humbly with our God, you know, and, and living a life that would bring him honor and glory. And so hopefully... Each Sunday is that for you. I was in reflecting on, you know, the, the Menards that was close to us in Pewaukee, our first house. I had a, was doing a, a home project, pretty discouraged, not knowing how to fix this thing. And it was, I had been back to that store many times that day. It's in the evening. I'm standing there in the, the aisle. It was a plumbing deal. And looking at this like, what do I do? And a guy found me, came up to me and said, hey man, you need some help. Well, I was going to tell him just the part, but then I just said, I'm trying to <laughs> fix this project. Do you have any ideas? And he lit up. He turns out this guy was a retired farmer, had to sell his farm, but uh, working now at Menards and took delight in farmers just have a way of figuring things out, making it work, you know, bailing wire and duct tape and good to go. And he helped me there figure this thing out and we got to, it almost felt like I met a new friend and and I thought you know what a neat picture too of church where we're here for each other um, not to 
beat each other over the head with how we ought to be doing things, but rather, hey, do you need help? And, and if so, I'm here. And it's our delight to, to help each other in that. So pray that that, that will be, um, as we look to God's Word, your experience today. But before we dive into the text, we have a special guest, some special guests with us, and Rich and Sherry Smith. They are part of our team, part of our mission team, mission staff, who are representing us in uh, Antigua and all over Guatemala, but actually all over the, the world through a ministry called Glomos. But uh, big, big news here is they are new grandparents. And so yes, can we, we just are. welcome them? <laughs> Thanks. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure to come back home to Indiana and to our sending church. Um, so many smiling faces and people that we know are praying for us, and we're praying for you as well. Um, and it's just wonderful to be back, even if it is a short period of time. I asked Rich, it being Father's Day, could he give us a quick dad hack? He's a great dad, two daughters, so any just quick, hey. I've got two acrostics that came to mind, because I know you love those. Uh, <laughs> one is HQ. HQ? Yes. Okay. Like headquarters, but it's hugs and questions. Those are super important in any culture, any context, any time. Um, so that's the first one that comes to mind. And the second is uh, TLC, which is truth, love, and calling out of the car window, make good choices. <laughs> All right. At any age. <laughs> and he's still doing that in Guatemala. Now we just are learning to do it in Spanish. To, <laughs> to our Spanish kids. All the new kids that God's brought into our life. Awesome. Thank you. All right. On from fatherhood to ministry. How are things going? Things are going really well. Um, really active. Um, we've, we've kind of, um, if, we, if we narrow down the focus of our ministry, I'd say there are really three prongs, although there are smaller spokes that, that peel off of those, like with the national police and, and other things that we're doing. But the the three primary emphasis, the first, you mentioned global action. Um, I'm the CFO of the organization, and, and we train pastors worldwide. Um, we're in Ukraine, which is really fascinating right now with the war that's going on there. Um, we're in Africa, different, part, different parts of Africa. We're in South Sudan this year. Um, we're getting ready to go into Kenya, uh, Uganda. Uh, we're in Zimbabwe. Um, but we're also in India, um, Cuba. We're training over 300 pastors in Cuba this year, and, and then various parts of Central and now South America, and we're expanding in, further into South America. Um, so we have a role in the leadership. That's one of the reasons that we are here right now um, is we were doing a, a planning uh, meeting with the directors uh, up in Chicago this past week. Um, so that's an emphasis. Then we also coordinate um, the training within Guatemala, and we're training over 300 pastors with, within Guatemala, and I'm teaching this year, uh, which, is, which is new for me, and, um, but it's been a pleasure. Uh, we're, we're teaching out of our house, and we were expecting maybe 10 people, and we've got uh, about 23 or 24, so it's kind of crowded, um, but we love it. Sherry and a small team of people that help her print all the materials for all of Guatemala. And that is a huge endeavor to print all of those because they're large manuals and there are nine of them. Um, 
for over 300 students. So pretty cool stuff, and we love it. Um, it's a heavy emphasis of our ministry because that is the way to, to multiply is through the pastors. There are over uh, 25 languages um, in Guatemala that are distinct Mayan languages on top of Spanish. And so the only way we can reach those people is, is through the local um, church and the local pastors equipping them. So that's a heavy emphasis. Young adult has continued. Uh, we, we led the college group here and worked with the high school for many years. And we thought that time was over when we went to Guatemala and God said, no, it's not. And, and our church did not have a young adult ministry. So we started one. And uh, on Saturdays, we typically have 25 to 30 young adults in our house and sharing life with them, their, their trials, their joys, et cetera, and discipling them. So that's a wonderful thing. Um, the, the last thing that I'll highlight um, is that we, in January, purchased a piece of property, about two and a half acres, on the skirt of a volcano. It's dormant. Um, it's not doing anything, thankfully. And, um, but we are right now in the design phases, site planning, uh, with an architect who donated um, their time uh, and talents um, because they believe in what we're doing. And we're going to, among other things, uh, have a, uh, but primarily a transition home uh, for, for young girls that are pushed out of orphanages and houses of refuge. Um, there are no backstops in Guatemala um, for young people who don't have family and are in those situations. And when they turn 18, the government requires that they are pushed out. And, and so they usually have little to no money um, and no opportunities and, and, and no shelter. So um, this is near and dear to our heart because about three years ago we met a young man who, almost four years ago, who um, spent 14 years in an orphanage, true orphan, no parents. Um, and we are, once we finally receive our residency, which we're praying for, and we ask you to pray for that, um, we can start the process to adopt him. He's 25 years old. Everyone needs a home. Everyone needs a family. And uh, he does ministry with us. He's a photographer and videographer. Um, but he has a heart for orphans and for the vulnerable. And, and we have um, learned so much through him about that need. And, and we are called as believers um, to watch out and protect the vulnerable. So those are our big emphasis. Awesome. Anything we can be praying for you guys? Pray. Yeah. Um, pray that we don't make any stupid um, mistakes as we as we endeavor to do these buildings um, pray for us as we balance our time um, introducing a new uh, it'll be a two-year transition program for the girls we'll start with girls but ultimately we'll have a separate building on a separate piece of property for the guys so that we don't need to build a maternity ward too um, yeah and we're gonna have a, a both, it's going to be discipleship, um, spiritual formation uh, in the program. It'll be uh, life skills and uh, occupational training um, for both the girls and the guys. And we've got um, uh, several ministries that want to partner with us um, for training. 
um, as well as some dental uh, work and other ways to reach out to the community. And so this is a big one, and we're gonna be um, raising funds um, towards that effort. Um, so pray for us with that. We appreciate it. It was neat to see the picture of Bonnie Clark was with you guys. Yes, that was a blast. Just, yeah. uh, and in a few weeks, we've got um, four. Jesse. Yeah, we've got several girls coming from. We're going to have six uh, university age uh, girls that are going to come again this year and be with us for two and a half weeks and do life with us. And uh, we're looking forward to it. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, guys. All right. It's great to see you. Thank <laughs> you for your too. prayers. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you all for your support. As you support the ministries of Westbridge, it helps support um, what's going on around the world and just need to, to see. Thank God for, for his work and, and Rich, through Rich and Sherry. All right, well, today is uh, week three of our message series, Houston, We Have a Problem. And if you're just joining us today, this year we've wor been working our way through the book of Acts, which details, documents the, the start of the church. And and what's neat about Acts, and, and now that we're moving into some of the letters, is it gives context to, okay, when we pick up a letter like we're going to be in today, 1 Corinthians, there's actually a, a history behind that that we've been reading about. You can read Acts chapter 18, we'll get to that later in July, that, that details the start of this church. But, uh, but what we've been doing this uh, through June is saying, okay, the churches that were birthed, um, eventually they hit a problem, they go to the Apostle Paul or someone and say, hey, we, we've got an issue, help. And it's a problem common to us. And, and so today we're, we're going to um, visit the church in Corinth. And what's interesting about Corinth is, if you're looking for a problem, it's not one, two, three, four, five. It is a plethora of issues that, that is, Paul writes into. Not just one letter, two letters, scholars feel there was another letter out there and so I was struggling, with, and, and side note though, um, <laughs> I, it hit me as I was thinking about this letter to, to Corinth, when Paul wrote into this, he's looking at a mountain of problems, or you could say manure. Well, out of a mountain of problems, or the manure of life, comes some of the great harvests, harvest and beautiful truth. Think about what we would not have if we didn't have the letters written into these problems. The love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. My life verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 58 of, you know, stand firm in the Lord. Precious truth. I, some of the most truth that's been battle tested and, and we just love flows out of this letter. And as Paul writes into the, their problems, he writes with hope. You know, it's not like it's, he is strong with his language and his argument, but there's, there's a hope at the beginning, hope at the end, and love throughout it. But it did leave me with the question, which problem do we focus on? And so, thinking through that, praying over that, I thought, why don't we just go with the first one he lists, which he gives four chapters to, and which seems to be most pressing on his, his mind. It's also transferable to us. It's a problem we face. And it's found, he intros it there in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 to 12. And he says this, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. So there's his, his vision and, and his calling to them, God's calling to us. He says, to which they may say, what do you mean, divisions? What, what, 
we don't know what you're talking about. And he gets specific here in verse 11. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. And what I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. So Paul being a, an important apostle. Another, I follow Apollos. Apollos was a, a gifted teacher that came to, to help this church. Another, I follow Cephas. Cephas, another word for Peter. We scholars feel Peter and his wife visited this church and spent some time with them. Still another, I follow Christ. So division is happening. Paul goes to, to helping them through this. The first solution is he, he'll focus in chapter 1, chapter 2 on there seemed to be a leaning towards, drifting towards whatever person had the wisest sounding form of teaching. And Paul's just like, guys, I didn't come to you with eloquence. I came with one message, Jesus Christ crucified. But then he goes into another way of helping them through this problem in verse chapter 3. He picks up the second part of, of the solution, and that's where we'll be today. Chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly or, or led by the flesh, our old nature, mere infants in Christ. So pretty strong. He's like, you guys were just like spiritual babies here. I'm sure that hit at their ego. They were thinking they were wise. And it's like, you, you, I couldn't give you what you needed. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. Some feel that they were criticizing Paul because his teaching was elementary. And he's like, he's justifying that here. And then he said, says, you are still worldly for for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly or, or being led by the flesh? Are you not acting like mere humans? So what's the problem? If you could identify it, it's they're quarreling, they're uh, arguing, they're dividing over lead, different leaders. You could say that they're, if you had to boil it down to one word, it's division. The body of Christ, the church, we're called to be one, called to be united. One leader, one faith, one spirit binds us together, one love. And yet they are, this church in Corinth is fracturing over different, um, following different leaders. So what's, what exactly is happening, on, happening here? And when you stop and think about it, it is the same thing that threatens us as a church. Threatens us as a church at large, the, the body of Christ worldwide. It has been happening since... The church started and continues to happen. Different names, same problem. And here it is. God gifts the church with a, a gifted leader. And, and so we, uh, we tend to elevate a leader to a position of a pedestal. We look up to this leader. And then we tribalize around a leader. We, we form a group around the leader. And then we, as we tribalize around a leader that we've lifted up, put on a pedestal, we a fracture begins to happen and we drift from the, the body of Christ. We form different groups. Elevate, tribalize, divide. Elevate, tribalize, divide. Elevate, tribalize, divide is what's happening here in this church. So again, what, what, what's happening? God gives the church. Look, look at what he did. He gave this church in Corinth. Can you imagine having the Apostle Paul, Apollos, and Peter, come be a part of our church and help us. What a gift. These are Christ-centered guys. These are spirit-led guys. These are gifted guys teaching and gifted by God to build up the church. So it's, it's not a bad thing. This is a good thing. 
But what's happening as the church um, receives this gift? Now, quick side note on leaders. We need leaders. Leaders, in fact, leadership is a spiritual gift. Romans chapter 12, verse 8. And when you have a gifted leader, that is a gift from God. A leader keeps us locked in on mission, the main thing, the mission. Then a leader's cast vision of what that mission would look like played out in a specific time and place. And then a leader takes God's word and helps the team form a strategy that aligns with God's word to get the mission done. And then the leader helps equip a team, equip the saints for the work of the ministry, build teams and get people, the right people in the right place on the bus. And then a good leader will, uh, will unleash the team, be a part of the team, will execute the plan, evaluate how it went and then celebrate and then wash, rinse and repeat, wake up the next day and go again, right? And praise God for, for gifted good leaders. Someone has said, everything rises and falls on leadership. And and the more I think about it and look at, it it does. When God wants something done, what's he do? He raises up a leader. So it's not that leadership is wrong, but but what happens? What do we see happen here? Here's the danger. We elevate a leader that we like to a pedestal. So a leader that syncs up with our personality, with our preferences, with our convictions, with our whatever. Okay, I like that leader. Maybe it's a new leader on the scene fresh voice to a fresh generation we elevate the leader that we like and then we tribalize around that leader we get a group of other people man don't you like that leader that's great oh man oh love how he love that you read his book listen to his podcast or man that guy that church hey love that and then all of a sudden you begin to form this common tribe around this leader who is gifted by god and good at what he does and, and for the good of the body but what begins to happen Pride slips in, and all of a sudden, it starts to become a subtle form of, we, we don't say it, <laughs> never say this, but, but we have that air of, our tribe has this figured out a little more than the other tribes, right? I mean, we're, we're like my tribe, and because they're kind of like me, and pride slips in there, and all of a sudden, this what God gave for the, to build up the, the body of Christ is now creating these factions and fractions and, and divisions in the body of Christ. Created to be one, united in our allegiance to him, is now divided by our allegiance to a leader or a tribe. So how do we resolve this problem? How do we receive the gift of leadership without fracturing? How do we hold our convictions firmly and our preferences, and yet maintain a spirit of unity in the body of Christ. Well, in this text, God gives us three truths to know and remember that protect us from dividing. Three truths to know, to remember, and to apply to our lives. So we'll get the uh, first one there is found in verses 4 and 5. As he says, For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, Are you not mere human beings? So again, you're being led by your flesh. For what, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? And here's the the phrase to circle. Only servants. Take the, the best of leaders, the most gifted of leaders. What are we? We're only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord assigned each his task. 
quick, quick side note, what, what is it that he's saying when he says, you came to believe, believe what? And the focus is, throughout this letter, the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15 will outline that, but it's the sweet, simple reality that Jesus Christ crucified for us. That Jesus is the Lord. The Messiah came for one purpose, to save us from our sin. And he did that by living the perfect life, dying the death we deserve on the cross, receiving the wrath of God, and through faith in him, and what he did for us, we are forever forgiven and enter into a, a love relationship with God that's eternal. This is the job of Paul, of Apollos, of Cephas, was to share this message of hope. But they are simply servants through whom they came to believe. First truth, how do we avoid this problem? The answer is remember who we are. Truth number one is we are only servants. As followers of Christ, there is only one pedestal, and it's, it's reserved for Jesus Christ, our Lord. He alone is the one we elevate. We are only servants. And don't you love the way he puts it? We are carrying out the task that he assigns to us. So our goal is, and, and this is success in the Christian life, it's simply to be faithful to do the task that he calls us to do. There's some freedom to this, isn't there? Freeing. We're not called to be like that other person or accomplish great things that, that we think are greater, that so-and-so accomplished. We're simply called to ask each day, Lord, what would you have me do? And then be faithful in doing that. So here's my question. How does celebrity creep into Christianity? <laughs> How does this happen? You know, when, when our, our Lord washed the disciples' feet and said, this is what I want you to do. You are only a servant. And I modeled it for you. How does celebrity creep into Christianity? It's not a cultural issue, like a problem with our day. It was happening in the first century. It's a heart issue, isn't it? It's a heart issue. The temptation is to create and follow a brand of Jesus we consider culturally relevant and it's not the best word, but cool. Like, it fits us. It doesn't start out that way. God gifts us with a new leader, has a fresh voice, fresh passion. It, it syncs up with something, possibly correcting a, a way we were drifting as, as the church. Apollos. I like this guy. You know? And what we know about Apollos, he was a gifted apologetic. He was intellectually incredible. And he could speak, he had passion. This guy, he was heady, he was academic, he was scholarly. So he, he, he drew the intellectual crowd and, and uh, you, you know, he's like the Tim Keller of the day, or Ravi Zacharias. You, you know, I like that. C.S. Lewis, he, he's, John Piper would be another. Just, yeah, it just gets you thinking and blows your mind and, and good, we, we need this. But you know, I like Cephas. I like Peter. You know, the Mark Driscoll. They just hit me with the truth. And let's go do something. Quit talking about it. Let's do it. I, I like that. That's my preacher. That's my guy. That's my podcaster. Mark Driscoll. Who would be another? Matt Chandler. Yeah, just hit me with it. Matt's intellectual and practical, but, but he's got that in your face. Peter type of like, hey, who else? P pick your, uh, well, I, you know, I like, um, Paul. Paul's, Paul, he's both intellectual, but he's all things to all people, he says in Corinthians, because he's about the mission. 
He's like Andy Stanley. He, he can speak to the late night person watching TV at 11 o'clock. You know, I like that. He hasn't lost sight of that it's not all about just our holy huddle. He's getting the mission done. I like Paul. He's about witness. He's about evangelism. I, I'm of Paul. I'm of, of that crowd. The Bill Hybels, the Willow Creeks of the world. The, uh, I'm throwing out some names on purpose. <laughs> tell you what happens when we look at, look at names. And, and if you're not familiar with these names, these are Christian subculture names that, that we tend to, to tribalize around. And all of a sudden, following Christ becomes a, a subtle expression of our own pride as ministry can become about self-promotion. And we protect our tribe and follow our tribe. But what a gift God gives us in this truth. What is Paul? What is Apollos? What is John Piper? What are you? What am I? We are only servants of the Lord. Pick your leader. It's who we are. We must never forget this. Remember who we are. We are servants of the Lord. As we remember this reality, it helps us appreciate our leaders as a gift from the Lord without idolizing them or elevating them. And when they do fail, it, our faith isn't shaken because we didn't take our eyes off our Lord and put them on a, a human leader. We kept them on our Lord. Eventually, every leader will fail. Every once in a while, someone will join our church and I'll meet with them and I can see the look in their eye. They're looking at me like the pastor. And uh, I'm like, it's only a matter of time before they see that I am a miserable failure. And the sooner they figure that out, the better, because then we can get on with life, right? <laughs> we are all sinners in need of grace daily at the foot of the cross. Only servants, gifted, all of us, to help each other keep our eyes on Jesus and follow him. It protects us from measuring success the way the world measures success. Success in the kingdom of God, again, is not becoming a celebrity or having a person that has a great ministry or a church that has a, a large ministry or any of these things. Success in the kingdom of God is one thing, faithful to the calling of our king. And that may mean being a nobody. Nobody knows our name, but we simply serve wherever he's called us to serve for his glory alone. I love Dr. John Hanna often, would often say, there's nothing more significant than someone who is willing to be insignificant for the glory of God. And that's the calling as Christ followers. But how do we uh, avoid this problem of elevate, tribalize, and divide? First is remember who we are. Second, we see in verses 6 and 7, he says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has made it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. And so the second truth to know is this. How do we avoid this problem? Remember our impotence or our, that we are powerless. The second truth is this. Only God makes things grow. So what is Paul doing here? And it's interesting now. He's, he's taking our focus from um, looking at a human leader to, to looking at the impotence in a human leader and then lifting our eyes to the, the omnipotence of God or the power of God. And it's, it's humbling, but it's so good. He's saying, okay, God alone is the one who deserves our focus, for he alone is the one who can make things grow. 
And by growth, he's talking about the, the spiritual growth that happens in our hearts as we become more like Christ. But it's only through the power of God that anything good happens in us and that we put on the character of Christ, we become more like Christ. So you think about, and he uses the picture of here the field and planting and watering, but right now it's so fun to see the world come alive, especially our fields with, you know, as the seeds pop up and grow. The farmer gets out, works hard and plants and waters and fertilizes and all those things, but God alone is the one who makes things makes things grow. And what a great sanity check just to remind ourselves that only God makes things grow. The leader has zero capacity to, to transform a soul. We are 100% impotent to help somebody become like Christ. Paul's saying that, like he and Apollos, when we're tempted to idolize a leader or lift up a leader, that leader has no power to do what needs to be done in someone's life. Only God, but God is faithful. We do get to play a part as we water and plant, and, and that takes us into the third truth. How do we uh, avoid this tribali- or uh, elevate, tribalize, and divide? We, the third truth we see in verses 8 and 9, Paul writes, the one who plants and the one who uh, waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field. You are God's building. And so the third truth here is we are, are co-workers in God's service. The point that Paul is driving here is that we're not in competition with each other. Apollos, Cephas, all of us and different churches, leaders, we're not in competition, but rather we're, we're on the same team. We have one purpose of helping people become more like Christ, um, come to him, grow up in him, and uh, enjoy that relation, the relationship we have with him. And it's interesting here how... Uh, God created us all unique with differences, and our differences are not meant to divide us, but to complement and to build us up and grow us up. Paul makes the point here that we're co-workers in God's service. This is, uh, this is God's work. The church belongs to him. It's interesting he uses the metaphor of a field and then a building, and um, there's neat pictures, but it's God's building, and it's God's field. And then I like in this text where he reminds us that we will be rewarded according to our labor. So there is reward for uh, faithful service, and it, it encourages us to keep on to invest in the, the kingdom of God. But the main point that he's making is we are co-workers in God's service. We are uh, we're team, and it's together, together, together. Quick, uh, it's Father's Day, so may I use a sports analogy real quick? The uh, NBA, with uh, we watched, or uh, the uh, Golden State Warriors took the championship, and, and neat to see that team, though. The media will always lift up one person and try to lift them up because that sells. Steph Curry would be one of the big ones on that team. But the thing about the Golden State Warriors is incredible chemistry and where they lift each other up. And Whatever different guys are, um, you know, on, they, they feed that guy each night. The book, uh, in his book, uh, Dave Ferguson wrote a book, Hero Maker, and one chapter he references the book called uh, Basketball, the basketball book, and it's 719 pages about the game of basketball, and Isaiah Thomas is talking about the secret. Chapter one, there's a secret, but it has nothing to do with basketball. And so he's interviewing Isaiah 
And finally, Isaiah says the secret is, is about the chemistry of the team where everybody is putting the other person ahead of themselves and the team ahead of themselves. Every championship team, that's the secret. That's what you're getting at. And, and the Pistons is the team that uh, Isaiah Thomas played on, and they had a kind of a prima donna superstar, Adrian Dantley, that they traded, and they brought in Mark Aguirre, who was just doing whatever the team needed, and that's, that was the secret that, that brought that team together. And what Paul, I think, is getting at here is, guys, you're lifting up leaders, I, elevating them, tribalizing, dividing, when... Apollos, he's, he's there for a purpose, and I'm there for a purpose, and Peter's there for a purpose. We are co-workers, and, and so um, we must not do that. We must remember this truth, co-workers in God's service. So bringing it all together, it's God's will that there are no divisions among us. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that? And there's a tendency in us to say, yeah, but this is real life. No, I I want to just call us by faith to, to believe this. God is calling us through his word that there are to be no divisions and that it is possible to be perfectly united. We're going to have issues and have to work through those, but we can. That's the vision of the body of Christ. And I love this picture of Paul. You can feel his passion in this, and I think it's because he sees the vision. He sees what could be. He sees the enemy trying to divide, taking a good thing, a gifted leader, and using even that to divide the body of Christ. But he's given us this truth, like, no, 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 remember this, remember this. We are only servants. <laughs> there's no pedestal. For, there's only one on the pedestal, and that is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Keep your eyes on him. Appreciate your leader's receive the gift of leadership and, and the gifts that we, we share with each other, but we are only servants locked in on our leader. And remember this, only God makes things grow. Which means, are any of us necessary? <laughs> None of us. It's next man up, next woman up, and God will get the job done. He'll grow his church. Gates of hell can't stop it. He's going to grow it, but only he makes things grow. And then third, as we work together, remember, we are co-workers in God's service. We are not in competition. We are a team. Remember this. We are only servants. Only God makes things grow, and we are co-workers in God's service. And I, if I could just say, as, as one of your teammates, thank you for the part that you're playing in our body. And so good. To, what a joy it is. We get to the end of life, I, I think it'll be, we'll accomplish a lot of things, but one of the joys of it is just getting to do it together, isn't it? That's, I think, where, where the gift is at, and so thank you for being a part of, of the, our church here at Westbridge. We, uh, today, special day as we celebrate our uh, parent dedication, baby dedication, we'll move into that, but before we do, if you would join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for just the gift of, uh, of being a part of what you're doing and to be able to call you Father today and to know that we've been adopted and that we are treasured and that, uh, that our future is forever beautiful, that we are forever loved, and all this through Christ, and we praise you for this. Lord, we thank you for your word to us and how you preserve these letters and just protect us as a church through what the first century church was going through. And Lord, we feel that 
the enemy is seeking to divide us and to fracture us and to put us into groups and tribes. And so we pray that you'd help us to keep our eyes on you. Thank you for the, these words of truth, just to remind us that we're only servants, only you make things grow, and that we get to be co-workers in your service. Lord, we I just praise you for um, what you're doing in our church family here. And today, as we celebrate these families and these precious gifts of these children that you've given us. We pray blessing over each one. We love you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.